You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Time to be called out. That's the title of our message today, and it's what Peter does as he's writing to the sojourners that are um, dispersed, and he's laid the foundation, put it all out there for them, and now he calls them out. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 to 12. We're going to read it in just a moment. But what does it mean to be called out? I don't think you can find that in a real dictionary. But in the urban dictionary, to get called out means to challenge someone in some way. Or to put someone on the spot. To challenge someone in some way or to put someone on the spot. Um, you ever been called out? You made some claim and you got called out or you were living in such a way and you got called out. Um, We had the privilege to be at Harvest University this week, as already was mentioned. There were about 2,000 people there from, mostly from across North America, but from all around the world. And on the Tuesday, on the Tuesday afternoon, all of the pastors were asked to sit on the platform. It was the HBF report of what was going on. And, and so that's the picture of them. And, and the insert one is the picture you can see that I was there. Uh, just so you want, if you wondered, did the pastor actually show up at these things? So yeah, I was there sitting in my place. And, and uh, throughout the thing, the uh, MCs were kind of playing back and forth off some things and they'd have people stand up and all the rest. And uh, in the middle of it, they, they called out the name Hayden Norris. Hayden Norris is the pastor in Gainesville, Florida. Hayden Norris apparently doesn't read his emails. And so he didn't know he was supposed to be on the platform. And in a room filled with 2,000 people. He was sitting at the back and he got called out. Little video that one of the guys took of him being brought up to the front, embarrassed in front of 2,000 people because he got called out. And uh, I mention him specifically because we, we know a little bit about Hayden Norris. Uh, Gainesville is the church, one of the two churches that our youth have gone down and, and served in. And so I don't feel too bad about naming him and calling him out today because uh, you can pray for him. You can pray for him and their church, pray for his leadership, and then pray for his capacity to read his emails so that he will show up on time. Called out. That's what Peter does in this text. You've got your Bibles open now. Let's stand. We want to uh, read and hear what God has to say. We want to honor him as we hear from his word. First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start at uh, verse 1. Listen as I read. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you, were, once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's pray. Father, Peter in the first part of this book has laid an amazing foundation of who you are, a God in Trinity and the work that you have done in choosing us and the work you've done in saving us and Last week, Lord, we looked at the responsibility to live holy lives, uh, men and women of God who are passionate about who you are. And now, Lord, he, he calls us out on some things. He lays out some things, Lord, that uh, the people who he is writing to needed to sit up and they needed to listen, they needed to hear, and Father, we need to do the same because these weren't just words penned, these are the word of God. So Lord, give us ears to hear minds that we would understand, and hearts, God, that we would respond as you do a work in this place that only you can do for your fame and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, we're getting called out in this text, so um, let's dive in and see. I just want to make one editorial comment as we start. Uh, the first two points of the message will be where a lot of it is weighted, and so you'll want to maybe write smaller on that, and when you turn your page over, we will go much more quickly um, through the notes. But here's the first thing I want you to see. Called out, called out to purity and passion. Called out to purity and passion. Look what he says. So based on what's going on, he says, so put away. So put away. In other words, stop, cease, quit. If you're doing these things, don't be doing them anymore. And then he lists five things that he was writing to them, but as we understand it, he's saying to us as followers of Jesus Christ today, here's five things you need to put away. Here's the first one, malice. The word malice basically means wickedness, the intention or desire to do evil or ill will. And you're sitting there, well, I don't have malice. There's nobody that I, I'm going out to do anything to anybody. That's not what I really want to do. Well, um, maybe, maybe that's true. But how about the attitude that goes behind that? How about the person that is your neighbor and they just drive you crazy? They won't ever turn the music down. Um, they don't rake their leaves, but wait till they blow onto your lawn. Or what about the neighbor that you have that just when you talk about Christ, they just, um, what about the family member who you're disengaged from and, and you would never do anything, to, but you sure think about it. And, and if you could and no one would ever know and put it away, put it away. He says, put away any kind of malice. And then he says, put away deceit, the action or practice of deceiving somebody by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. Hey, if you're a businessman, are you being honest in the way you represent the product that you sell? Or do you misrepresent it? Do you conceal things? And people find out afterwards and then it's too late for them and... The way you respond when your wife or your husband asks you a question, do you find yourself being manipulative and deceiving to them? And your coworkers come to you and they ask you the hard question and 
Would you deceive them? He says, put it away. Stop doing it. Put away malice. Put away deceit. Put away hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have a moral standard or belief to which one's own behavior does not conform. You pretend to be something, but your own behavior betrays it. Uh, the word hypocrisy in the Greek meant to put on a mask. It was a, a, what, what actors did. And, and so when they were acting, they were pretending to be something or someone that they really aren't in real life. Do you do that? Are you as consistent in your home as you are when you arrive here? Does the way you treat your family, the way you treat your kids, the way you treat your spouse, is it the same? Is it consistent to, to what people would see who are here? To what you are at home or what you are in the workplace or what you are? And he says, take off the mask. Quit being a hypocrite. Uh, the word in the Greek wasn't a negative word. It was a play actor. But we understand it in the context of I'm pretending to be something that I'm not. And so Peter is calling them out and he says, stop it. Stop pretending. Next word he says is envy. Put away envy. A feeling of disconsent, discontent or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions or qualities or their fortune. It's a desire to have what isn't yours. You know, I gave this a lot of thought because I can get caught up in this. I can see giftedness in other people. I can see things that people have. And I go, boy, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. And the Lord really laid on my heart this week, you know, when you're envious, you're really saying God didn't do it. Saying God didn't do enough. He let you down. To have envy is to saying God isn't God. He's not really in control. Because he gave those things to that person, he gave those gifts to that person, and he gave this ability over here. Well, why didn't he give those things to me? Why don't I have those things? And I want those things. Lord, you let me down. That's what envy really says. Peter says, put it away. God has given you gifts and given you abilities and given you opportunities and given you so much. He says, you take up those things. Put away malice. Put away deceit. Put away hypocrisy. Put away envy. Put away, the last one is slander or evil speaking. It's an action, really a crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. We all have people that are hard to deal with. We all have people that are hard to get along with. Do you find yourself saying things about them to make yourself look better and make them look worse? Uh, can you just go through the recesses of your mind of what was going on and what you were doing this week and you're like, man, I said that because I wanted to look better and I wanted them to look bad. And Peter says, stop it. Put it away. Cease from doing that anymore. And then he goes on, and in the text, in the purity and passion, he says this, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is 
good. I'm going to change the order of this a little bit, but um, same principle. He starts out by saying, long for pure spiritual milk. Long for pure spiritual milk. How much time did you take this week longing for pure spiritual milk? I trust when you got out of bed this morning and I got all dressed to come to harvest, you were like, I can't wait to get there because we're going to worship together. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and then we're going to open the word of God and we're going we're to learn from God's word. And I hope you long for that. I hope you come with a sense of what is God going to teach me today? What am I going to learn today? And it should be a longing in our hearts. Longing for pure spiritual milk. We have it right here. God has given it to us. In his son, Jesus Christ, revealed in the word. Your word have I hid in my heart so that I won't sin against you. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Long for the pure spiritual milk. The pure spiritual milk that comes when we get together in small group and study the word and refine and encourage and spur each other on. Longing for the pure spiritual milk. Do you get up every day and open God's word and spend some time in it because you know it is the source. It is where the truth is. Do you long for it or does your Bible go in the back seat of your car when you leave here and you pick it up when you come back next week? Long for it. Long for it. How do we long for it? He says long for it like this. Like newborn infants. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. Newborn infants don't know much. They squawk when they're dirty. But when they're hungry, that's the one thing they know. And when they're hungry, they cry and they scream and they wail and it goes on and on and on until the desire to be fed is filled. And they know there's only one thing they want. They want mama's milk. Why? Because it offers everything they need. It offers all of the health. It offers all of the nutrients. It offers everything so that they will grow up and they want it and they want one thing and they're not going to stop until they get it. And Peter says, people of God, long for God's word like that. Long to grow up in Jesus Christ like that. Long to worship him like that. Like a baby who needs the milk and won't stop going after it until it gets what it needs. Passionate, longing, why? That you may grow up in your salvation. That by it you may grow up into salvation. Salvation, the act that happened the moment you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, that is done, it's signed, it's sealed and delivered, but we grow up in our salvation as well. Um, in Philippians chapter um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as, as in the present, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. That thing that was done in the past. We live it in the presence growing up in Christ and look forward to the great salvation that is ours when we go to be with the Father in heaven for eternity. Like newborn babes 
Go after the word of God. Why? So that you will grow up into salvation. And this is what you do if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so Peter calls him out. Stop it. Stop it with the malice. Stop it with the deceit. Stop it with the hypocrisy. Stop it with the envying. Stop it with the slander. But like a newborn baby desires the sincere milk of the word. You go after the Lord Jesus Christ like that. You go after God like that, that you may grow up in your faith. Unto salvation. And maybe that's all you needed today. Maybe you've been called out already. And you already know why you came to church today. Well, before God, right now, in the message, you just take a moment before you and God and you get that thing dealt with. Do you need to put some stuff away? Before the Lord, do it right now. Do you need to make a commitment to pursue God's word more? Then do it right now. Maybe that's the reason why you came today. Hey, you don't get to leave. You got to hear the rest of the message, but uh, maybe that's why you were here. Called out to purity and passion. Here's the next thing he says. Called out, you are built up and rock solid. You are built up and rock solid. It says, as you come to him in verse four, you came to him in salvation, but we come to him daily. As you come to him, here's the description of him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That was his son, his precious son that he gave. He was a living stone. We're coming back to that right now in verse five. It says, you yourselves like living stones. Okay, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I kind of thought stones were dead. And yet I'm called a living stone. So what does that mean? Well, he goes on and he explains it for us in the text. But for to understand, they, they understood the Old Testament and the building of the temple and the stones that were used to build, build God's house. But we are God's house. The temple of God is no longer a building it's a new temple where God dwells and he dwells in our hearts and we are living stones that God uses as the building blocks that, that build up the church of Jesus Christ, that, that build up his temple. You are the temple of God, God's word says. And you are to be a living building block for God's glory not only are you a living stone, but he says you are to be a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. A priest were the ones who were able to offer sacrifices. So we're not only God's temple, but we're a holy priesthood, which will offer spiritual sacrifices by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. See, some of you grew up in a tradition where uh, if you sinned, you had to go to the priest. And you went to the priest and you confessed your sin. In essence, you confessed your sin to another sinner. 
what you did. And, and that person could do whatever he did and some blessings and some things you had to do and all man-made stuff. Um, you're a holy priest. If you are in Christ, you are a holy priest. And you go to God through the finished work of the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have access to the Father. Don't ever come to me and ask me to forgive your sins. You know, if you've sinned against me and you need to confess that, and I would do the same to you, but it's not my job to forgive your sin. My job is to teach and grow up and be a holy priest just like you. And when we need to go to the Father, we go to the Father because we can because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, they understood Romans 12 verse 1 a little bit differently when Paul wrote it than probably we do. When it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You didn't have to go to a priest. You did it. You went to the Lord. You made your sacrifice because you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a holy priest. And Paul wrote in Philippians 4.18, I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. That sounds kind of neat, because they, they sent a gift and he received it. But look what he says. He says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Over in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16, it says, through him, let us, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Made holy by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Being made holy every day as I grow up in my salvation and look forward to the ultimate salvation, I am a, a priest. Uh, Grudem put it this way, the believer is his own priest before God. He does not need any mediator except his great high priest, Jesus. There can no longer be an elite priesthood with claims of special access to God or special privileges in worship or in fellowship with God. I am a priest, you are a priest. If you are in Christ, access to the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ to offer spiritual sacrifices, acceptable sacrifices, the verses say, through Jesus Christ. So what are some things we can learn about a priest? Now, here's a few. A priest was a chosen privilege. It was an honor to be a priest. And you are a holy priesthood. Priests were cleansed from their sins. And we have been cleansed from our sins through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ being the right and righteous payment for us. Cleansed from our sins. Priests were clothed for service. They put on garments that they wore. And, and we're clothed. We're clothed with his righteousness. And we put on the full armor of God. And, and we are clothed as priests to do the job that God has called us to do. We are set apart for service. Then we're prepared for that service. A priest were set apart to obedience. 
The priests were the ones who were supposed to be passionate after God. And you're a holy priesthood, passionate after God. And when you long for God's word and it lays something out for us as a priest, you're like, I've got to do that. I need to respond to that. That's what priests do. They honor the word of God. Your word have I hid in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. They honor the word of God. Priests walk with God. Now, that was the picture they were to be. They were to be God's chosen ones, to be that, well, that's us now. We are those people. In John chapter 2 and John chapter 3, it talks about our walk and how we, we walk with God and walk in Christ because we are priests. Priests are to impact sinners. Not only do we have the right and authority because of the finished work to come before God in our own sinfulness, but our lives should be impacting the people who are around us. They should make a difference. Priests are messengers of God to bring the word, to bring the truth. And so, yeah, I get to do it standing up in front of, you know, 360 or 70 people right now, but um, we all are to do that in our lives. We're messengers of God. Your message of God in your family and in your neighborhood and in your workplace. Priests were messengers of God and all of those are pretty amazing but here's the most amazing thing. The most privilege of a priest was he had access. Access to God Almighty. I don't go through anybody to go to God Almighty. That was taken care of in the finished work of Christ. I have access. What an amazing hope and what an amazing truth. We're built up and we are rock solid. The text goes on and says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a corner stone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, obviously talking about Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone, the rock, the foundation. Then he goes on, he says, so the honor is for you who believe. So the honor is for you who believe. What honor? The honor of being a priest. The honor of being passionate followers of Jesus Christ. The honor of setting aside the things we want for the glory of God. He says to them, so the honor is for you who believe. The, called children of God, called sons of God. It should send a shiver down your back. The wow of what God has done for us. The honor, he says, is for you who believe. But, middle part of verse seven, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected, Jesus Christ, has become the cornerstone, the foundation of everything. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Jesus Christ is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You can virtually talk about anything else in our society today, but you talk about Jesus Christ the Lord, and it's going to be a stumbling block. It's going to be a rock of offense. It's going to be tough for you. People receive everything else, but not Jesus. It's because Jesus Christ is an offense. To those who have trusted Christ, he's our cornerstone. He's our hope. 
We don't hope in anything else. We don't need to hope in anything else. But to the world, Jesus Christ is just one big offensive. And maybe he is that to you and you're in this room today. And you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thought that I have to give up my rights and surrender and come under and you just find Jesus to be offensive. It's because you don't know the cornerstone. It's because you never put your faith in Christ alone. When you take hold of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in coming and giving his life and dying on a cross so you could have life and you could have it abundantly, why would you want to hold on to anything that you have? It's all his. It's all for his glory. And we surrender it all and we give it up. And believe me, we struggle with it. And some of us struggle with it more and we hold on to things. And it's like, no, no, it's all his. And we surrender it to him. But until you do that, Jesus is just one big offensive, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But when you trust Christ, you come under that. And Jesus is no longer a stone of offense is no longer a stone to trip over. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the foundation for your life and for your hope and all that we have. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All we like sheep have gone astray turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. It's not some big ritual. It's not some big you do. It's all about what Jesus Christ did. You were a sinner separated from God. You can't fix that. He fixed it in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. Falling on the heels of that is we're called out. Here's the next cool thing. You are a prized possession. Now look at uh, verse nine. Look what he says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race. Things once exclusive to Israel are now ours through Jesus Christ. He's speaking in the plural here now. He's talking really to the church, but you just think about God's love for you and we were separated and we had no hope, but now, now we are a chosen race, chosen by God. The day you put your trust in Jesus Christ was the seal, the receipt of the reality of God's choosing in your life. Some of you have grown up in families where you didn't feel like a prized possession. Maybe dad didn't pour into you like you wished he would or mom kind of didn't love like the way you had hoped that would all work out. Or, or maybe you're in the workplace and you feel like you're used all of the time. Or, or maybe your spouse isn't treating you the way that you wish they would and you don't feel like a prized possession. Let me tell you this, in Jesus Christ, you are a prized possession. It's what he has done for you. He died for you. A prized possession. You're a chosen race. He goes on, he says, you are a royal priesthood. We just kind of look at that and we go, wow, that's kind of cool. 
I'm a royal priesthood. And you need to understand just a little bit about how significant that is. Earlier, you were called a holy priesthood. Now we're called a royal priesthood. But understand that the offices of royalty and priesthood were jealously separated in Israel. But Jesus, who is our king and our priest, has brought them together for his people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. And then he says this, a holy nation. This church, the body of Christ, is a holy nation. And then he builds to this, a people for his own possession. A people for his own possession. See, we are a prized possession. What Christ has done for us, we are a people for his own possession. people for his possession. In Jesus Christ, he's the one who holds my hand. He's the one who carries me. He's the one who leads. He's the one who gives strength. Why? Because I am, we are a prized possession. And what do we do with that? The verse goes on and says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The reality of what the Lord has done for us, the reality of the working of God, the reality of being a prized possession of his. There's a response that we take and the response that we take is to proclaim the excellencies of what Christ has done. Not in darkness anymore, but in light. In Matthew chapter five, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When we take hold of what God has done for us, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, we can't help but speak out because we are no longer people of the darkness. We are people of the light. Once you were not a people like that. Once you were not a part of the family of God. But now you are God's people. Now you are God's family. The text goes on and says, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Child of God, you are his possession, but you are his prized possession. Called out because we're a prized possession of God. Here's the last thing. You are called out. So be on your best behavior. You are called out. So be on your best behavior. Put away these things. Love the word of God. Go after it. Understand that you are a priest that is a high possession of God. And then he finishes up the text by telling us to be on our best behavior. Look what he says. Beloved, I urge you 
as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. So there's this strong urging, but for the people who are just visiting here, remember, we're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship isn't really here. Uh, when we were traveling down to um, Harvest U on a Sunday afternoon, I had uh, four of the Romanians in a van that I was in, and Jerry Bolton and I were driving down. And so we're coming up to the border, and so I have all their passports in my hand. I got mine on top, because I'm the most innocent of everybody, and, the, and then Jerry's, he's a little bit more corrupt than I am. I'm like, well, let's get the good guy on top. I'm like kidding about that, but I had, all, had them all laid out, and I put the Romanian ones underneath the two Canadian ones. I didn't know if it was gonna make any difference. Apparently not. And uh, so I hand them to the guy, and he looks at mine, and he looks at ours, and then there's like Romanian. Romanian, Romanian, Romanian. He goes, what are these? Who are these people? Well, they're friends of ours. They're from Romania. They came to visit our church. They've been with us. We've been some training. And, and uh, well, where are you going? Well, we're going down to Harvest U and, and they're with us. And, you know, I'm trying to do all this nice stuff. And he goes, yeah, I'm, you're going to have to go over there. And I'm like, oh, gee. That was great. And inside they were great. And we didn't have any problems at all. But we're just passing through. Teddy. Teddy pulls up and he's got two Romanians in his van. And, uh, and they're like, um, who are these people? Like, How do you know them? His answer, through Jesus Christ the Lord. <laughs> and they're like, okay, away you go. <laughs> he's in the back, he'll tell you. I asked him. I'm trying to wax eloquent on how we're helping these people and serving them. And he just says, through Je is that what you said, Teddy? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ the Lord, okay. That was probably the one time the Lord wasn't an offense. Maybe the guy was a believer, who knows, right? But um, I urge you as sojourners, we're just passing through here. But as we pass through here, Abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. We battle and we struggle and we wrestle every day. And it's going to happen until we get to heaven. And so maybe the things that he talked about in the, the list at the beginning of the five things aren't your thing. Maybe you kind of came through that list unscathed. Well, okay, so what's the thing that is the battle? What is the thing that you wage in a war over? What is the thing that when you think about who the Lord is and who Christ is and that thing always seems to get in front of him and you want that more than you want? He says, put away that stuff too. So if I miss something in the first five, then okay, let's go on and broaden this out a little bit. So what's your thing? It's a battle. It's a battle. Abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. See, we can expect problems to come as followers of Jesus Christ because the next part of the verse says, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, not if they speak against you as evildoers, but when they speak against you as evildoers. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're coming up against it. It's gonna happen. If you're not coming up against it, it's either because you're so hidden in the closet people can't see Christ in you or you're not saved. It's going to happen. Uh, there were claims that were made against these people. They understood what this meant, um, the things that were going to be said about them. 
Uh, some of the things that were said about the early Christians was that uh, Christians ate the flesh and drank the blood. And, and as the stories got told, they'd be like, of babies. It wasn't true. But things were said about them. The Christians were said to be people who during the agape feast had wild orgies. It wasn't true, but it was said about them. They were said to be antisocial because they wouldn't participate in some of society's entertainment. Well, there's today. Not antisocial, that wasn't true. Here's one. They were said that Christians were atheists because they wouldn't worship the idols. See, when, when Peter is writing this to them, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That they may see your deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Hey, church, we have a responsibility to live in such a way that we stand apart from the world so they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you have had a workplace uh, relationship when working with somebody and you've just tried to be faithful before them and seek to be faithful before them and the Lord's up and up an opportunity and they've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And on the day of visitation, they're gonna glorify God. Some of you have seen that in your family. That needs to be the passion and the heart of all of us. That they may see your good deeds. And one day, give glory to God. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How awesome it will be to see the times that our testimony was used in someone's life that they never, that we never even knew. And that we see them before the Lord giving glory to God. That's the kind of conduct. When Peter says, I'm calling you out, that's what we're being called out to. To be people of God, we're passionate for him and for his glory. Well, so what? You know, I wrote in my notes, today I'm calling you out. Pfft, who cares what I call out? Today God is calling us out. God is calling us out to be people of purity, dealing with those things in our lives, people of passion, passionate following after the word of God like a baby wants its mama's milk. I want what God has for me in his word. We're being called out because we are the building blocks of the church. We are the building blocks in our temple. We are those things. God has made us priests. We have access to the Father because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so he's calling us out to be on our best behavior. Not the best behavior like when your mom and dad were taking you somewhere and said, don't you act up tonight. Not that kind of best behavior. The kind of best behavior that's like, oh my goodness, look what the Lord has done. I would never do anything that would dishonor him. Will you do it perfectly? No. But we'll grow in it. We're growing it for the fame of the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. People of God called out. What's God called you out on this morning? Before you leave this place, you deal with it. 
for the glory of God and for the fame of the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word. We thank you for it. Thank you for the truth that Peter wrote. He laid down such an amazing foundation previous to this text. And he goes, so, so, so what? What will I do? And we're called out on some things today, Lord. I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we'd be people of God, separated from the world and from sin and passionate to follow you. Do the work in my heart. Do the work in our hearts that only you can do. God, that you would get the glory in all of these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.